0: Welcome to Now Appalachia, hosted by author and Appalachian resident, Elliott Parker. This show profiles the authors and publishers that have connections to the Appalachian region and how those connections influence and impact their works. And now, Appalachia.
1: And welcome again, friends, to another episode of Now Appalachia. As we say hello to you here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, as we continue to profile uh, the outstanding authors and publishers that call Appalachia home, either through residency or through the subjects of their writing here on Now Appalachia. I'm Elliot Parker, and it's great to have you with us. And we are pleased to have uh, writer Jim Hamilton with us today to talk about his new novel. It's called The Last Entry, and it's a fantastic book that comes covers a lot of very important issues and themes often connected to Appalachia. And Jim Hamilton during the day is a field faculty member with North Carolina State University where he heads a county cooperative extension office that is located in Boone, North Carolina. He has a PhD in forestry and has been working with ginseng and other forest medicinal plants for the last decade. While originally he's from a small town in East Central Alabama, he's been hunting and planting and consuming and teaching about ginseng in Western North Carolina for the last 10 years. He's also an adjunct professor at Appalachian State University in Boone and before setting uh, up and settling into the mountains Uh, in his current position. He was a Peace Corps volunteer, an environmental consultant, an AM country music DJ, and a volunteer fireman. And we're going to ask him about some of those here in a little bit. And while he's written the requisite number of academic articles published in unreadable journals to warrant his credentials, he's also a Renaissance redneck who enjoys a good story and being in the woods. And it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Jim Hamilton with us. Uh, to now Appalachian. So Jim welcome to the program good to have you here.
0: Thanks Elliot appreciate it man.
1: So I wanted to ask you first I I loved your book for so many reasons because it it is through and through an Appalachian novel but one of the things I've learned from your book and one of the things I've learned from David Joy who is uh, another author we've had on the program through his latest novel When the Mountains Burn uh, although two different types of novels both of those uh, his compared to yours is that this idea of ginseng is, is an important thing and that this is something that is is unique to Appalachia and I'm always amazed when I learn about this because I, I grew up in West Virginia spent my, spent my whole life in Appalachia I know about coal I know about timber I know about the mountains I know about all of those things but I know nothing about ginseng and ginseng is really an important part uh, of your work as a as a professor and a scholar but also what goes on in your novel so what is it about ginseng and, and, and its connections to Appalachia that makes it so unique
0: that's that's funny you mentioned David David Joy in his book when the when these mountains burn was the very last novel I finished not too long ago um but you know with ginseng ginseng is one of those it, it's it's such an integrated part of of mountain culture but as i as I've it's funny I've, I've i said this before and it ended up being a byline in a a little film clip that uh vice news came up and interviewed us about ginseng because the the first rule of ginseng club is you don't talk about ginseng club it's uh due to the nature of the plant and the the value that it does have now in the open markets uh, during ginseng season um i mean ginseng sells right now roughly for 900 to a thousand dollars a pound and you have people that uh that do hunt it every season, every, every year in the fall, there's ginseng season. It starts September 1st and nobody talks about their places where they go hunt it. If you're, if you're planting it, if you have ginseng seed or ginseng roots that you've transplanted from your wild hikes in the woods, you don't tell anybody about it because of its high value and because there's so much pressure of theft. And that's, you know, as you, as you read in the book, you know, that was sort of a, that was sort of an underlying, you know, theme running, running through the book. And, um, you know, I think even David Joy's, uh, I guess it was the line that held us, uh, his, in in that book, he mentioned, you know, one of the, one of the minor characters gets, uh, meets his end while ginseng digging. Um, So, so yeah, it's not as prevalent in kind of the traditional Appalachian stereotype is bluegrass and moonshine, but it is, it is just under the surface with any local, uh, or any native, uh, mountain person, you know, grandma and granddad took you ginseng hunting when they, when, you know, when you were little and, you know, or mom and dad passed the skill, you know, how to, how to dig it and, and, uh, where to look for it. Those are all, you know, little, little skills that you learn, you know, growing up here
1: absolutely it's a fantastic element to your book that that i love and i felt like i learned as much about that uh as i did anything else in your story which was terrific but speaking of terrific you've got a, a fantastic protagonist named tucker um who we learn early on in the story is is really in a bind and he like many appalachians um that grew up in, in appalachia not necessarily in, in the best and the most affluent of circumstances he decides to go away he decides to join the navy uh, right out of high school, uh, but now he's coming back home. And tell us a little bit about what's bringing him home and what does home look like when he comes back after being away for a while?
0: Well, sure. So, and it's funny with, with, uh, with Tucker and his character, the, one of the first folks who introduced me to Ginseng up here was named Tucker. Or his, well, his last name was Tucker, but everyone called him by his last name. So that's sort of where that, you know the name comes from. So, you know, a lot of folks um, that I've met here, and I could, I could, you know, put myself in this category, um, I guess, you know, growing up and you hit high school or young adulthood and all you can think about is leaving. And, um, and I think that was, that was what spurred me writing that into to the story. Uh, my, my father was in the Navy, um, you know, left, uh, left his small town in, in northern Alabama to join the Navy. Uh, but came back and, and what I, you know, not that I'm from, the, I'm not from the mountains of Western North Carolina. I've lived almost half my life here, but you see that a lot. You see folks that do leave the mountains and there's always something that, that, that draws them back. Um, you know, the circumstances, you know, Tucker's, uh, Tucker's circumstances were, were, were somewhat different. He had a rough, rough relationship with his parents that he was trying to escape kind of as the oldest kid who's, who's seen the, you know, Seen the benefits of getting away. Um, but thinking that things are better, you know, to, to come back and try and find a fresh start and then coming back home and realizing that things aren't the way they were when you left them, not with family relationships, not with the, just the nature, the physical aspect of the town you leave can change. Uh, you know, sometimes the characters stay the same, but the place changes. And that's here in, here in Boone and, and in, in, in a lot of the, um, a lot of the the towns in western North Carolina that uh, where there has been some sort of economic input, you know, here in Boone we've got the university. So your university towns or your tourist towns have just seen an explosion of growth over the last, you know, really twenty to thirty years. And so that's about the time you know the story is set. You know, from a, from the perspective of Tucker who who leaves. Uh, to to do a tour with the Navy at Point A and comes back at Point B and a lot of things have changed and and not for the better so that sort of sets up you know the the, the conflict and trials and tribulations of our of our story's hero. <laughs>
1: And I love how you talked about kind of, kind of the, how things change and kind of the melding of different worlds, because I noted in chapter 12, uh, one of the prime examples of that when uh, Tucker is there and he, and he's watching these these dump trucks that are coming out of the Charlotte terminal. uh, And he, and he kind of starts peppering questions to this old grizzly grizzled. uh, He reminds me kind of uh, like a grizzly bear looking uh, truck driver. Um, And while they're talking, um, and the truck driver tells him he says lots of new construction up in the mountains too rental cabins are popping up quicker than horseweed he said as he spat husks into the solo cup in his lap and then in the next paragraph a lexus blasts around them with florida license plates and it's almost like you know we see that blending of cultures we see that that the, that kind of uh, the, to me that driver represents traditional appalachia the florida and the lexus and the construction represents kind of the the progress that's coming um, and these two worlds, it seems like in a lot of ways, um, explicitly and implicitly kind of put the squeeze on Tucker a little bit because he's having to navigate kind of a new, uh, new reality that maybe he wasn't expecting.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, I, living up here and working here, you know, at the, at the extension office or the ag office, um, you know, we work, with, we work with fifth, sixth generation cattlemen and Christmas tree farmers but at the same time work with, uh, you know, folks that have moved up here, you know, they moved to the mountains for the same reason that, you know, uh, that, that's, you know, some descendants moved to the mountains to begin with, the kind of escape, to escape the hustle and bustle, to, to kind of, uh, you know, find a holler and hide in it and not have to deal with the, you know, with that, uh with kind of those modern trimmings, but there's, there's a difference. There's, there's, there's the, the pure tourism economy of the, we, you know, and, and not to, uh, not to disparage anyone from the North, but we, we call them halfbackers up here. Cause they're folks from New York and New Jersey that, they you know, that retired from there and they, they moved to Florida for the, you know, for the nice winters, but dang, it's hot in the summer. Let's come halfway back to the mountains, you know, to the cool summers in the mountains. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, there's a huge second home community and and it's growing daily here in the mountains. And it is sort of change. It's sort of changing the, the, the makeup and background of, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, there weren't, there weren't gated communities and, you know, property, uh, no trespassing or private property signs, uh, in, in the mountains, uh, you know, the, the, the raw, pure, um, uncut and untapped mountain lands were almost considered private property. People uh, access that property to, to, to go hunting, either for, you know, either to hunt deer or to go hunt herbs. And, you know, over the last 20 years with neighborhoods and developments and, and side, you know, the, the mountains are being cut up and you're seeing that in, in a lot of places. And, and again, that's sort of what, uh, you know, trying to capture that, that change in Appalachia that you know the locals will definitely tell you about um your your ginseng hunters will tell you about it it's hard to find you've got to you know now these days to find a real honey hole of ginseng you've got a you probably have to walk an hour or two into the woods before you even start looking for it because uh because the mountains are getting so chopped up and you know again that's why that, that's that's sort of how the uh, uh where the story and where the protagonist finds himself is noticing more Lexuses coming up the mountains and more, uh, more no trespassing signs and and roads where there didn't used to be roads. Um, it's, it's, it's changing. And that's, you know, uh, that's something I think, um, uh, locals have a, have a problem with and cause it does cause some conflict. It causes some conflicts I don't even have in the book, but, but they're there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of conflict, one of the things I loved about your, your book too, is that I felt like every two or three chapters, we had a new wrinkle of tension that you sprinkled in. And a lot of that tension is caused by an old nemesis that shows up that Tucker, uh thought maybe he had escaped when he went away and thought maybe he wouldn't see again so tell us who this new nemesis is what he's up to and uh how tucker kind of navigates that as he's trying to get reacclimated into this different appalachia oh yeah
0: yeah so yeah that character is rat and rat was what he was always as far as writing the book he was one of my favorite characters to kind of you know work in and 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 write and um uh you know, I'll go back here a second. So, so the, the book actually began, it started as a screenplay. Uh, and so the, uh, and I had some help, you know, not being from the, uh, from the fiction writing world, um, another, a fellow fiction writer, uh, Glenn, Glenn Bruce, who wrote TV screenplays, uh, we helped, we put together the screenplay first to try and pitch it to a burgeoning film company that never got off the ground. So I kind of took the book over because, because of the story, But, uh, Rat was a character that, that, um, that he sort of came up with as that antagonist, the protagonist. And I really got to, got to, you know, blow the character up in, in, in the novel and create, uh, create kind of the backstory for Rat and how Rat is just a, a, the perennial thorn in in Tucker's side. Cause so, you know, Rat is a kid from, you know, a a really rough kid who had really, uh, you know, as, as rough as Tucker's, uh, upbringing was, you know, rat situation, um, is even worse growing up, uh, parents that are kind of out of the picture, out of the picture, absentee parents being raised by, uh, by, uh, by an older brother, um, and his older brother's group of friends who are from the rough side of town. And, um, uh, uh, there's a, you know, uh, there's a, the, the, kind of love interest in the story there, uh, those, those three, the, the love interest in rat and Tucker all sort of interact early in the story and in, in their, in their youth. And when, uh, when Tucker comes back to the mountains, uh, he's, you know, rats, rats really the first, the first character, the first piece of bad news. Well, actually the second piece of bad news that, that Tucker has to encounter and he tries for the longest time actually does a good job, uh, being the better man, uh, to you know, to Rat's dismay, uh, you know, Tucker with the, with the discipline and the order that he's had in in the Navy, you know, he, under, he, he understands where he's come from and understands the background that 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 Rat has had to you know grow up in, and despite Rat doing everything he can to to push his buttons, you know, for the time for a long long while in the story tucker manages to maintain his his composure
1: very good excellent we're talking i'm trying to to answer questions without giving too much you're doing an excellent job of of walking that thin wire you're doing a great job and i didn't want to ask a question that would lead to you having to tell us but but uh, that conflict between those two between tucker and rat is really really great and really really fun to watch as the uh, novel unfolds We're talking with Jim Hamilton here today on Now Appalachia. His new novel is called The Last Entry, and it is set right in those Western Carolina mountains uh, uh, involving Tucker, his family, and a little bit of ginseng, as we've been talking about. So I wanted to ask you this, Jim. We'll come back to the book in in just a minute. But as we mentioned a moment ago, you've had so many interesting things uh, as part of your career and part of your life. Peace Corps volunteer, AM country music DJ, um, but, yeah, I know you spent a, a great deal of your professional life writing uh, more of an academic style, writing a lot of academic articles and, and things that are expected of that profession uh, in, your, in your role there uh, at NC State. And I just wondered, what, is it, what was it like kind of getting away from that to writing something that was, that was totally creative and totally fictional-based, uh, and stepping outside of what you were used to in terms of academic writing, and stepping into the creative writing realm, what was that like? And how did that experience go? And uh, do you feel like your academic writing helped you in uh, writing this novel? Oh man, that, let me, let me unpack some of that. It was
0: fun, I because so in in, in academic writing or writing research or technical technical papers, you know, you um, you have to, uh, you know, you set up an experiment or you set up a study to, to get results and you hope that the study is done well enough to get those results. Um, the beauty of a fiction writing for me was if I want a result, I get to make it up. I get to create the, the results that, that I want. And, and now on that same token, it still has to be, has to be right. I, you know, getting it, uh, Getting it as right and and as authentic as I could, and, and that's where sort of my, my, the professional background of writing that I have. I mean, I know how to present technical ideas, and I know how to how to teach. And one of the things what my my writing mentor kept telling me as we went, he's like, "You're teaching again. Quit teaching. Tell the story. You know, let the story let the story do the teaching." Um, the most, the most challenging part of the transition from, I guess, academic writing to creative writing was, was dialogue, um, getting the, getting the dialogue right. And, the uh, you know, Glenn Bruce who helped a lot, um, with, uh, you know, with my writing for this novel was, uh, he's an excellent writer of dialogue and, and I, I, uh, I sort of got it. It sort of clicked after, after, uh, after a while of getting some drafts back that were marked up that, that, um. Uh, you know, suggesting that I go in different directions or do certain things that that really helped. and, And it eventually did did click. But it was it was nice to live live in this story in my head while trying to while trying to tell the story of so many people here who have shared their experiences in the ginseng world and how those and how their own family lives intertwine into the ginseng world that that's that really i you know to me i was so worried about getting the story right and doing the justice to all of the um you know the locals and natives who kind of took me under their wing and took me in the woods and showed me some of those patches of ginseng and told me the stories and the history of these patches of ginseng some of which they've been coming back to for you know for 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 50 years, um, some of the old, one of the old ginseng guys that, um, I've gotten the most out of, and actually the, uh, the, the title of the book really came from his grandfather's journal that he used to write, you know, make entries into, um, about where his secret ginseng spots were. And that's how I ended up. I, and that's how the, you know, the title of the last entry has to do with, um, the last entry in, in an old journal. And, uh, but anyway, no, that the, the, it was, uh, I mean, as far as, uh, as, cl- you know, uh, clean writing and academic writing that, de- that, definitely helped, uh, being able to put a, put a sentence together does, does help. Um, but having the freedom to explore some of the, you know, the creative elements of, of the story, uh, you know, it, it got me out of my kind of technical writing shell and, uh, I, I enjoyed the crap out of it. I, um, I really do want to do it again once (laughs) some time frees up. Um, I enjoyed it.
1: That's great. And I, you know, talking about, I love hearing you talk about, about that, that change and that experience, because, you know, when I was reading your book, one of the things that really stood out to me is how it played in my mind, like a film. I felt like I, I was, I was reading a fiction novel, but I was watching a movie. I mean, just the way that the images in my mind were portrayed as to what you were describing and, for me, I think that really allows readers to really get immersed in, in not only the the Appalachian culture and region that you're writing about, but I feel like it for me it really helped me get carried away uh, in a good way with the quest that Tucker was on, uh, especially when he had those conflicts with Rat as the uh, as the story <laughs> unfolded. So. Um, I wanted to ask you about balancing some of the, the tension that we talked about earlier with some of those wonderful lush descriptions of Appalachia that you included there. Did, did you find yourself maybe at some point going a little too, too far into some of that description and having to back it off or, or, or how did that work in terms of balancing that, that, that rich description with, with, with the tension to keeping people wanting sure. to turn the pages? Um, well, again, like I said, getting, getting it right. And what, and again, kind
0: of what I'm good at with my job is the natural, I mean, is the natural world. I've got, I've got all the requisite pieces of paper that say I know what I'm supposed to be talking about when it comes to the woods. But so I wanted, I I wanted that, uh, I wanted that imagery to be clear and I wanted to explain, I I don't know, there's some, there's some scenes where I describe the plant and, and it's, uh, the plant of ginseng itself is such a beautifully symmetric, kind of cryptic forest plant species. And yeah, for me personally, the experience of being in in, in the woods is is cathartic. And and I, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to convey that in in the book as much as I wanted to convey the the, the conflict. And you know I'm sort of a simple when it comes to stories that I like and characters that I like. I, I I like really one-sided characters. I like characters that you can you just hate their guts, and then I love you know the characters see you know love interest. I you know I, I a good old simple love story. A really a really simple one-sided bad guy that everybody can hate and. It, 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 I think that makes the tension easier to create when you have character and not that they're simpleton characters, but I think the, the, I, I, I hope or what I tried to, you know, put forward was, well, okay. You know This one's a bad guy. These are, these two are going to hook up. You know, you want to try to, you want to try to give the reader, throw enough crumbs in there uh, to where it, you, you, they're not too surprised. I, I don't know. That's just, those are just off the top of my head kind of comments about, how I, you know, thought about the character development as as I was going, and then letting the dialogue sort of lead the story too. Um, you know, like you said, it it, it reads like what well, it started out as a hope. You know, as a movie. So I'm I'm glad that uh, that you that you saw it happening in
1: your head as well, Elliot. That's cool. Yeah, it was terrific. We're talking with Jim Hamilton about his new novel. It's called The Last Entry set uh, in the Appalachian Mountains of Western Carolina. And uh, Jim, I want to go back to Tucker for just a second. And, and I, I'm going to read just a, a small uh, statement sort of at the end of the book we, on page 280 and ask you to kind of explain to us without giving too much away what's happening. But I think this is real, a really good passage that explains how, how Tucker changes and evolves over the story. And he goes into the bank and he talks to this, to a woman named Gloria, who he's kind of had a run in with earlier in the story. And he gets kind of the last, uh, the last ha ha laugh on her and the bank. But he says something that I think shows kind of his growth and maturity. And um, basically what's going on here is he's brought in a check and he wants all the money in cash. It's quite large. And the bank doesn't have the money. Uh, And they are trying to get him to set up an account instead of giving him the money in cash. And this is what uh, Tucker says. He says, well, on second thought, I'll probably just take a drive down to Charlotte. I think it's obvious that I'm going to need a bigger institution, one that's equipped to handle my level of banking needs. Not so sure I want to do business here after all. You understand, right, Gloria? And I know that is pertaining to to that specific scene where he's kind of getting the last laugh on her uh, and the bank manager. But to me, that really shows how he has changed and evolved, and kind of his perspective on who he is, where he's from, how where he's from is now, and kind of what life is going to be like for him. And I, I'm wondering, as 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 you think back to him, and as as we get to that point in the story, and we're kind of thinking back to the narrative arc that that, that he was in, um, how he has grown and changed, and how kind of that that little quip of dialogue there to Gloria shows that because that's probably not something he would have said 180 pages prior to that um so you talk a little bit about the growth that that, that he undergoes because I think that that little passage or that little snippet that little quip to Gloria is an excellent example of showing kind of how he grows and changes as a character <laughs> that, that, that's funny I think
0: I really wrote that line uh more as the gotcha moment because that he so much had you know, from the, from the time where he first meets, meets Gloria and, um, you know, Gloria has a role in, in, in one of the many struggles that Tucker has to deal with from a financial perspective. And earlier, you know, earlier, early in the story, things are just going so wrong for the guy. He cannot catch, cannot catch a break. And I, I, at this, at this point in the, in the novel, and this is within the last, oh gosh this is about the last last page or two um he's in good shape things have come full circle he's recognized it and is appreciated and he's had opportunities to get back at her in you know in a way that might not be as uh uh not might not be as either politically correct or as uh, or as uh, uh legally prudent uh to do and um but yeah, yeah, really, really. In that, uh, I enjoyed writing that, uh, writing that little, little scene because it's just, um, it's the come up. It's it's the way to say it's 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 something that I would, you know. There's a couple folks I'd probably like to say the same thing to in you know in in, in real life. But um, but yeah, at that point, at that point in the book, things have come full circle, and I can, you know, without without giving away the, you know, uh, giving away anything. It, the book does have a happy happy ending. I'm a sucker for happy endings. I hate books that that <laughs> that you know. I finish them like oh geez, what you know? God, what were they? <laughs> Could have done you know? I I, I I like a book with a happy ending. I'm just a sucker sucker for that.
1: Very good. So Jim and our final moments with you today. Uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with you to talk about ginseng and it is a product and how to get it and where they can find it and all of that or they want to check out any of your academic publications um or talk to you more about uh the last entry um how can they get in contact with you first of all and then where can they get copies of your novel yeah so um now,
0: like I said man this is probably gonna be the shortest conversation on ginseng I've ever had because I could I literally do work so I can talk ginseng all day long it's just such a such a cool plant but um, I'm at if you, if and, and it's funny some it was my one of my kids I think googled me and then said hey dad look at all these say if you just google Jim Hamilton ginseng <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know I am I am an NC State uh, NC State uh, field faculty member um, I'm based in Boone so you can find me through uh through cooperative extension um you know the book itself is in it's in a few uh a few independent bookstores it's here uh, here locally at foggy pine books which is in downtown boone you might you might have heard of foggy pine they're the ones that got the uh got the colbert bump on the colbert show uh tom hanks and sam elliott plugged uh foggy pine during uh the uh the colbert reports or that sorry the late shows um uh uh super bowl super bowl show um so the book's there it's in a couple other bookstores and then on on amazon as a as an ebook, paperback and i think there's some hardbacks floating around there but um but yeah uh, if you have questions about ginseng or want to want to talk about ginseng um my email is jim underscore hamilton at ncsu.edu that's my nc state email address and i'll talk sang with you all day
1: long Fantastic. Jim Hamilton's new book is called The Last Entry, and it is set uh, in those western mountains, those western mountains of of North Carolina, and we meet a fantastic protagonist named Tucker Trevette, who is in a bind. is from Appalachia he has left Appalachia he is now coming home and things have changed and things are not the same and so if you are from Appalachia you're going to love this book because it's got the the feel and the writing and the setting of of all the things you love about Appalachia if you're not from Appalachia and you're wanting to learn more about it it is a great way to get introduced into the region into its people and into its topography Uh, Jim it's a terrific book a terrific novel congratulations on it Uh, and we'd love to have you back on the program as you Keep writing, and even maybe have you back on to talk a little ginseng sometimes. So, thanks for uh, coming on the show and being a guest today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Elliot. It's my pleasure. We want to take a moment as we finish up here on this episode of Now Appalachia to give a special shout out to the executive producer of Now Appalachia and the executive producer of all the podcast programming you listen to here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Her name is Pam Stack. We appreciate all the support that she provides behind the scenes to make all of these podcasts possible. And we also want to remind you that this is a copyrighted podcast that is owned by the Authors on the Air global radio network and that's going to do it for us this time on now Appalachia but please come again next time and in the meantime stay well and see you someplace soon I hope